0: You guys might be familiar from a show called Shopped on the Food Networks. You may have visited one of the restaurants for the Executive Chef at, including Stanton Prime in Las Vegas. And if you guys know anything about metal, well, he's also got a little, uh, well, he's got a hand in that as well. And we'll talk
1: about that this
0: hour. Uh, please, everyone, welcome Chris Santos. Thanks, Chris.
1: Of course, man. It's, it's such an honor to be uh, the guest on your gazillionth episode. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't even know how many zeros that is. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. <clears throat> anyway, well listen man, um I just want to preface it real quick for folks so uh, just let them know that you uh you injured yourself uh in a very sexy manner. So we'll yes. just leave it at that. But yes. thank you again for joining us man. You're gutting it out and that right there is uh I think a good segue into uh defining you as a person and uh defining the fact that you have your own metal label. Tell us about this man. Let's go right into Blacklight Media.
1: Sure. So um, yeah, Blacklight Media uh, is a, is a s- small little labor of love um, that I uh, sh- I started with Brian Slagle from Metal Blade Records in, we launched in 2018, I want to say. Um, it's a, it's the little label that could, it's, it's really, it's a, it's, it's a direct imprint of metal, metal Blade. So it's, it is essentially metal, me- a Metal Blade label and, you know, bands that sign to, to Blacklight Media are basically signs of Blacklight, you know, I, sorry, sorry, basically signing to metal blade. Um, what had happened was, so I grew up, I've been a metalhead my whole life for as long as, you know, basically I can remember listening to music. And so as a teenager, I grew up in Rhode Island, uh, Providence, well, not even Providence, a small town outside of Providence, Rhode Island. And every Saturday I would take the bus to Providence to buy the new vinyl of the day. And the labels back then were like combat and new Renaissance and metal blade uh, among others. And, um, Mega Force, of course. But um, so you know, it didn't take long for me to know who Brian Salego was. Um, I actually started a fanzine because I know he had one. And so, you know, I knew who he was when I was a teenager, and I'm in, I'm 52 now. So I and then of course, throughout my whole adult life, I've been buying Metal Blade, blade Records and, and seeing him in various, you know, documentaries or reading quotes about him or whatever. And then about 10 years ago, um, uh, so i I happen to be pretty good friends with Carrie King. And so, uh, I was at a, I was at a Slayer show in New York and Carrie introduced me to Brian and we became really fast friends. Like, like kind of like that scene in Step Brothers where we were like, did we just become best friends? Like it really was <laughs> like that. Right. Right. <laughs> and so we, he's a big wine guy. So he would come to, when he was in New York, I lived in New York at the time. He would come to my apartment and you know, we'd go have dinner and he'd, he'd bring a couple of nice bottles of wine with him. And then we'd go to my house. And I would list. I would turn him on to all this music that he hadn't heard before, and he started signing bands like Harm's Way and If These Trees Could Talk. And he did the Kandaria um, reunion record because I was good friends with those guys and kind of brokered a meeting. And so, like after about five or six bands that Metal Blade signed because I directly brought them to Brian, Brian was like, "Why don't we do a label?" And I am. Pretty busy guy, like I, uh, you know, a partner in, in a very large, made the largest hospitality group uh, in the world, Tower Group Hospitality. We have over seventy locations worldwide, restaurants and nightclubs. But I also have like you know a line of hot sauce and barbecue sauce. I have a home fitness product. I do TV. I'm working on my second cookbook and just just nonsense stuff. So, so I was like, there's no way I can do this. But he just kept he just kept kind of chipping away at me and telling me that you know Metal Blade would do a lot of the heavy lifting at least at first and. Uh, he wore me down and we launched it in in two thousand and eighteen. and it's really cool because two things I think are really cool about this label. One is, is it's we're we're all about breaking new bands, baby bands. Um, we've had offers over the last few years from from friends of ours who are you know getting the band back together and want to do a comeback record. and as much as I'd love to work with with my friends in that capacity, that's not who we are as a label. We are, strictly for baby bands to get more ears on them it's really for me about the love of the of the music Um, I'm not trying to get rich off this at all i've already got a career um it's really just again about getting those ears on on bands that i think deserve it um and also it's a place for metal blade to to kind of maybe go if there's a band that is intriguing that might not fit the classic metal blade like metal 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 like mm-hmm. you know um mode so so it's worked out really well. Um, we 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 were up we were up to as many as I think thirteen bands at one point. Um, we're we're back down to about five or six core bands that we really love. We have a lot of we, there's a lot of activity happening behind the scenes to bulk up the roster again. Um, my role just changed in my company where I have a lot more free time to work on the label. So it's definitely going to start to grow now that I can really really put my hands in it. Um, but yeah, we've got some great bands. I have a band called Gozu from the New England, like the Boston area who are doing fantastic stuff. Uh, they just put out a record this year that's 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 just tremendous and getting incredible reviews. Um, I'm very excited and proud of this band, Capra, that we work with out of Baton Rouge. They are about to put out their second record for us, but um, they just got booked to play Louder Than Life. They just got booked to play um, Chino's Deftones Festival, uh, DL <clears throat> Deftones, which happened organically. Um, I had dinner with Chino a few weeks ago and, and he's like, Hey, have you heard this band Capra? I just booked them. He had no idea that they were one of my bands, which I thought was the huh. coolest thing in the world. I was so proud of them in that moment, you know? And so I'm excited to see them on those stages. They're actually in Europe right now. We've got a great deathcore core band called Nicholas Cagefighter out of Australia. Um, <laughs> That's the best name I've ever heard. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something. Um, they are great. Uh, they are a great band and it is a great name, Nicholas Cagefighter. Um, we have a band called Raptors out of London. who are kind of like a, Metalcore that um, my good friends over at Sirius have been playing on Octane, um, and they're, doing, they're getting a lot of really getting some good good buzz. Um, we have a band called Workers, uh, that's really kind of like a throwback thrash band, um, who are going to be releasing their first record with us later this year, as well as a band called Demiser, who are kind of like a death thrash band, who will also be releasing their first record with us. So there's lots of things going on. Um, And now, like I said, that I have more time on my hands, um, we're going to start getting a little bit more aggressive and and building the roster out and I can get be a little bit more involved on a daily basis, which I'm excited to do.
0: Let me let me ask you real quick, go back to uh, when you first started buying vinyl, what was the first album you bought? The
1: first album I bought was Death, um, the first Death record. First, okay, yeah. 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 Um Detroit death scream, or the scream, other death? Scream but scream, 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 Florida blood. Death. Florida yeah. Death. Yeah. Scream Buddy bloody, bloody Gore was the first one. Um, but right from the start, my my um you know, I grew up in the 80s, right? I I, yeah. I in 1985 I was 14. Like that's like the sweet spot. So so that was when hair metal was really, you know, starting to re- was at its scene or you know, really in, in its prime and or getting to its prime. But that's also where like this, you know, all this death and thrash was happening. And you know, it was funny because I remember being in like high school or junior high. And it was like, you know, if you liked Slayer, you know, anyone who liked Motley Crue was, you know, can I swear on this show and say anything I want? <laughs> oh, fucking Yeah. yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> so it was like, it was like, uh, you know, if, if you liked Slayer and Metallica, then anyone who liked Motley Crue and rat was a pussy. Right. And, and, and if you, and yeah. you, and, and vice and kind of like not vice versa, but you got you know what I mean. And I never understood that. I, I always love gravitated towards both. So I'm an equal opportunity metal lover. I love all kinds of metal. Um, and, uh, and we've even seen that on the black label we had a band called mother feather that was on the label no longer on the label but they, they're like blondie influenced like pop rock like with like crazy stage show um but yeah so i grew up but the first show i saw was um the very first show i saw was loudness the japanese band loudness if you remember yeah but within a very short period of time i saw death angel no i'm sorry dark angel and possessed and okay. I remember I was about, I was 13 or 14 and a big giant brawl book broke out after the show was over. And I, I, between all these bikers and I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, <awesome. laughs> and then not long after that, I saw um, Rat, this is a kind of funny, Rat with special guest Bon Jovi. If you at, wow. at, at the Civic oh, Center, yeah. like 14,000 people. When you think about how that turned out for both bands, it's really kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I just grew up at a time where, you know, I saw King Diamond on the on the Abigail tour. I was like 16. And um, and but at the same time, I was, you know, I saw Motley Cr- I was just I just loved it all. And I loved the theatrics of it. I really got caught into the performance part of it. And I still to this day go to as many shows as I can go to. And um, I love live performance. I love it.
0: it's funny you mentioned 1985 we bought and then King Diamond. I was gonna mention that's the kind of year when like Abigail on Road Racer Records before we came Road Runner oh, yeah. came out. And then a week later you got live after death for Maiden. You know, yeah. it's just kind of like every week you could buy a record like that was coming out that was like so pivotal to the whole genre. Sure. And yeah.
1: and you could and you could and on any given um on any given week you could buy like like you like like a, like you said it Maiden or like Queensrike or Crimson Glory or something with like this real operatic vocal, but then mm-hmm. also go home but also go home with like this really gnarly thrash record at the same time. And, you know, yeah, yeah. spend the whole week doing them on rotation. But It was just, it was, it was a great time to be alive. I'll tell you that much. Absolutely. Yeah. but Yeah. So, um, that did I say, which, so yeah, death was the first final record. Although right. that's the first final record I bought, but when I was a kid, I stole from my brother. Um, Dude, I was going to ask you, what's the first record you ever stole <laughs> Fist Alive 2 and Cheap Chick Live at Budokan.
0: Oh, they, double albums. You went all in, man. Yeah, you're like, but you're right under the point of being charged for any kind of misdemeanor.
1: Yeah, they went, they just went one day went missing and um, <laughs> you couldn't find them anywhere. I, I think I was, I mean, I couldn't have been more than eight years old or seven years old. Yeah. And, uh, and, really, and, and, really, and really thought that my brother couldn't figure out that, that I had taken them. Like, I thought yeah. I really had pulled the wool over his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> moved him in the next He's room so Stupid,
2: so <laughs> stupid <laughs> but yeah i got a question for you you are you from originally from rhode island correctly or, correct yeah. or massachusetts
1: i was born this this gets asked me people ask me this all the time i um because i was born in Fall river massachusetts like physically born um mm-hmm. but and so my birth certificate says massachusetts and that's what like if you go to like Wikipedia or any of those stupid gossip sites, it'll say I'm from Massachusetts, but I actually am not. I just was born there. I grew up in Rhode Island, a little town called Bristol, about a half an hour outside of Providence, an hour outside of Boston. Okay,
2: so I was going to ask, we're on the music subject of your vast career of many hats that you you wore. When you were growing up in Rhode Island, was there like a local scene for music that you were a part of that you were attending like the
1: early days of shows over there for for sure for sure a matter of fact um a little a little bit later in life when i was like a late team there's a big big scene but yeah there's a really big very cool metal scene um from the time I, i was old enough to go to shows um and uh um but then when i was when I went, so I went to culinary school also in Providence and I was there for four years. I, I, ended up, I went for two and then they offered me scholarships. So I stayed for two. But the whole time I worked at a local club um, and I got to see in this like 400, 300, 400 capacity club. I got to see Pantera, White Zombie, Smashing Pumpkins, you know, Pearl Jam being billed as um, Pearl Jam featuring uh, members of Mother Love Bone. Um I know yeah i saw nirvana and primus um you know all in this tool, um 300 400 capacity room it was amazing what was it
0: what, what was the club
1: uh club Babyhead. Okay. i also worked i also worked at the li- the old living room um which was uh like that's the mid 80s i basically was like 16 and i worked for i basically cleaned up the club afterwards i swept up all the i, I could go to the shows for free uh, i could pick the shows i wanted to work i could watch them for free so, I would go to all the metal shows, obviously. And then I could start drinking beer when, when they called last call on everybody else. And, I'd, and then when the lights came up, I would have an hour and 15 minutes or so to like sweep up all the, all the garbage from the floor. And that was my job.
0: <laughs> yeah. hey, remind, hey, man, where was Lala Moore at? Where, where, where was that at? What's that? What was Lala Moore at, that club? Do you remember that, that one? Was in, that was in New York. That was in New York. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: was in New York. Um, I went to some shows there like in my 20s, but right when mm-hmm. they were they were closing when they were in their heyday that's when i i was i was in rhode island so i never got to see a show there in their heyday but i did see king diamond there and a, and a few other shows um yeah right before they closed okay yeah so
0: gotta ask uh were you ever inspired to be a musician or could you be a musician or was it something that was beyond you and what led you over to, to go to culinary school
1: yeah no actually so, i don't know if you can see behind me i got the sweet little i got the brand new uh, uh, Okay. Music- the, the new Roland Roland T- Roland E-kit I got the yeah I got the TD50 it's like the newest technology yeah. it's um mm-hmm. it's a, I haven't even quite unlocked its potential at all because it's an amazing amazing machine but um I started playing bass at first and then I started then I transitioned to drums and I was in bands like in high school and culinary school um and um and a matter of fact I was just going through some boxes and um I got an old cassette player and i just going through some boxes cuz i found cassettes from my band that that we recorded when i was like 15 or 16 it's 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 horrible it's really bad but it's kind of fun to listen to um but i played drums for many many years um until i stopped um i i i got busy with life and i you know i was living in new york and there's really nowhere to keep a, a drum kit and i had one in a, a studio space but i was never going to to use it so i, I played from maybe the age of 14 to about 30, 31. Um, and then I kind of just, I kind of stopped. Um, and then I just started playing again, uh, literally just a couple of months ago, um, because I don't know if you guys know Monty Pittman. Yeah. yeah. Monty was playing with ministry now and he's played with prong and played with Madonna for, you know, almost 20 years. Um, him and I are really, really good friends. And he has been kind of like Brian Slagle. He's been poking me to pick up the sticks and, you know get some practice in and let's do let's do a project together and same kind of thing I was like you know ah, it's been so long and I don't have the time da, da, da. and then one day it just hit me like you only live once and you know 52 years old I am I'm, I'm in pretty good physical shape um, except for right now because I broke my ribs a couple of days ago but um, but I'm in pretty good shape generally and um, <clears throat> and I also have my own label so we can just write songs and release them one at a time like there's yeah. no there's no there's no it's like the easiest path ever you know um. so i'm not trying to necessarily you know put a band together to tour the world and become a big rock star but i was talking to john lamacchio who's a guitar player in candy area but he also manages a bunch of bands on the side and we were having dinner and i was telling him that you know you know i was talking to a couple of my friends you know like you know tino and i banter jokingly about maybe guest singing on a track but he's like yeah for sure and just different various musicians that i'm i'm have become my friends. Are all like if you do it, I'll play on it, and we'll see if they actually will when, when the day comes. But Johnny was like, you know, this is a real story here. Like you being this like celebrity chef and being on TV and people know you. Like you know, he brought up the example that when we when I launched the label, it, it, it you know it got it, the, the PR the, the press release got picked up by all you know by Metal Injection and Metal Sucks and Blabbermouth and everything else, which is great. But the exclusive went to um, the the Wall Street Journal. and that was because uh, because I have a platform on television. And so like Wall Street Journal probably would never have written about an upstart heavy, heavy thrash label had it not been that story of its you know me being, you know, having done you know some some uh, noteworthy work in this in, in the culinary space. So I kind of look at it like that with if I do this band as well. Like I think I have a platform to get this project more attention than it might and I've got I've got a way to distribute it without having to do anything except I, I gotta call one guy me <laughs>
0: so <laughs> I have I'm gonna an do idea it. For you, I have an idea for you Chris I think you should take the cassette tape what was the name of your band on that cassette tape
1: um that one was um Tuxedo Black Charger
0: okay that perfect name. Band name. so here's what we're <laughs> gonna do you need to uh master those tapes and then put it on your label under just a pseudo or whatever or, you, or even that just say it's your newest project and see what people say <laughs>
1: It's actually not a bad idea. Say
0: it's, the, it's the latest garage noise band.
1: Yeah, it's and this total... I have a lot of cassettes. I got a stack of them, so I got to go through them. There might be something halfway decent somewhere in there, but I haven't <laughs> found it yet. I Haven't found it yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the, the 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 call. You go to culinary school and you and you, you become this obviously well very well known name and in, and in, and in that field. What is the connection? What? How did? you cross over and or at least uh, pollinate into music and then musicians finding you. And, and I just want your viewpoint on, uh, if you go on tour nowadays, obviously there's like different kinds of diets for people. And some of the catering food is actually very good. And I mean like that, when did, when did music become a, such a foodie thing and vice versa?
1: Yeah. You know? I think, I think it's for, in, in the, I can only really speak to rock and metal um, because uh, that's where, you know, where I'm, where I kind of have an little bit of a community there where they come together, but I think over the last six or seven years um maybe ten um food has become a a, a really important part of i think culture in, in lots of different ways, not just heavy metal music or hard rock music I, just, mm. I think you know there's a lot of people who are especially you know on the festival circuit um which i you know i'm i'm have been i've been on the festival circuit for about ten years in various Capacities. Um, you know, a lot of the bands that are headlining festivals today are are a bit older. You know, um, you know mm-hmm. the, the the biggest bands in metal are still. You know, are still. You know, the Metallica's and 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 um, Slipknot. You know, you think Slipknot is not as, as old of a band as Metallica, and they're not, but they've still been around for twenty what twenty five years, twenty years, yeah. 25 years yeah. twenty five years. Um, and so, a lot of these guys have um, gotten healthier. Over time, um, you know, they're they've taking their health, you know, in, differently than they were when they were in their 20s or 30s. Let's just say, and so part of that is is um, is nutrition, and also over the last couple of years, specifically, um, uh, I found that uh, a lot of bands are going vegan, um, in in like in like a lot of bands, um, yeah. and and so I find myself cooking a lot of vegan food for bands when they come through the restaurants or even out on the festivals. Um, And uh, they appreciate it, Um, you know, and I've become over the years, there's been a um, there's been kind of a word of mouth thing that I if you're in one of the cities that I own a restaurant in and you have a day off, like, come see me and I'll take great care of you. And it kind of just started like that, like literally like that. Mm -hmm. And this is going back to probably, you know, early 2000s, Um, you know, and it just became a thing like, you know, oh, you know. I, Avenged Sevenfold came to my restaurant stand social on their first record and we just kept in contact. So every time they were on tour, they would, and as they got bigger, um, you know, they would keep coming to my restaurants, but then they would say, you know, oh, hey, do you know this guy? No, oh, can I give him, can I give him your information? I'd love for them to check out this restaurant. And before you know it, now we, now we're at a point where just, you know, many of the biggest bands and, and a lot of the smaller bands um, just know that if they're in a town and they have a day off, they'll, you know, they'll come see me. And, and I always take great care of them. And I, and I think the way to a metalhead's heart uh, on tour is through their stomach because they don't have to eat catering that day. And I always, yeah. Take yeah. It, you know, I always take it seriously and, and give them an over-the-top experience. And I also will go to whether I'm in New York or here, I have a lot of producer friends as well. So a lot of times I'll get invited into the studio to kind of just be a fly on the wall for a recording session. And I always bring like, you know, an over-the-top lunch or dinner with me. And it, it, it's, it, you know, it it it's, they appreciate it a lot. And it's just, a, I just, I like to give back in that way because I get so much out of, and I've always gotten so much out of um, metal music. It's always been, a, a, you know, one of my two major escapes in life. So
2: it is it, really like a one hand sort of grabs the other. You're in the music space because you love the music and you love cooking, right? And the, the, the musicians, obviously, they we all, everybody loves food. It's the, it's sure. the largest Venn diagram in the world uh, is music and food. So it makes total sense of how they would kind of come together. You, you have a really cool space inside of that diagram where, where there isn't many people who are doing what you're doing. I mean, I was just thinking about the boxing stuff, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, not to switch total gears, but like that, that's another massive a, a massive landscape. So like, I mean, Chris Santos, <laughs> the name that they just kind of keeps going and going when you, when you look at the different properties that you're involved in, what's the boxing thing all about?
1: Well, that's the, that's the other passion project and, and kind of love that I have. Um, I, I, I'm, I mean, I, we could, we could talk for hours on this. I'll try to keep it quick, but I love boxing, the sport of boxing. I'm a historian. Um, I'm kind of obsessed with the sport. I have, I have a magazine collection um that is uh you know goes back to the 19 teens and it's very it's almost it's very complete so I've got literally you know over 10,000 boxing magazines or I don't know I don't know the exact number I wish I've spent a lot of money curating um I've got over you know 10,000 fights on DVD I've got you wow. know memorabilia everywhere in my house I've got I transformed my garage my garage to a, an old school looking boxing gym with tons of really amazing memorabilia. And I, and I boxed, but I started a little bit later than I wanted to, um, or, or in hindsight, I wish I'd started earlier because I think I could have actually, I think I really could have been a fighter. And I've, I've, I've had the luxury of training. I trained in New York for 14 years, um, at Gleason's gym, which is famous for, you know, Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson amongst others. And then I stopped. Um, I had, I ironically enough, I had my ribs broken at the gym, um, and it was 2010 and I was having just, oh, I was in the gym five days a week. I was sparring with pro fighters. And so I had a lot of nagging injuries anyway. I was getting cortisone shots. And then I broke my rib like a week before one of my restaurants opened. And my business partner was like, dude, what are you doing? Like we're opening in a week. He's like, you got to get the boxing a rest for a minute, you know, until we get the restaurant. Open. So I was like, fine. So I thought I was going to take like three months off from the gym. And I basically took off for 12 years, um, 11 years. And, um, I gained 75 pounds over those 11 years, which sounds like a lot, but it's really, it's about six, seven pounds a year, which is less than a pound a month. And with my, with my profession and eating food on food network and stuff. um, But, but I, but I'm I'm back in the gym uh, being trained by a guy named Freddie Roach, who's a famous boxing trainer who's known for training Manny Pacquiao his whole career, um, but also has trained Mike Tyson in his time and a bunch of others. And I'm actually looking to have a pro fight um, in January or February uh, in Tijuana, um, uh, mainly because Tijuana will license a 53-year-old guy.
0: (laughs) I was going to say,
1: of all uh, sorts, different there. (laughs) And so I've been on a journey. Um, I started at 240 pounds. Um, I'm down about 195. Um, Trying to get to 175 for the fight if I do it. And then the goal is to fight once, win. And then for, for the rest of eternity, I, if people look it up, I will go down as undefeated.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <So>. Now, Chris, <laughs> Chris, how tall are you?
1: Uh, on a good hair day, five ten.
0: All All right, 5'10, one, seven, five. Yep. Yeah. That'd be good and stacked.
1: Yeah. So um. it's really, we're going to see how I, you know, it's, it's going well. Um, but in September that's when we start really like sparring and all that stuff. Well, maybe not September now because of this rib, but, um, but if you know if I, if they like what they see, then I'm going to go through with it. And if the, if they don't like what they see and they say they don't think it's a good idea, then I won't do it. But um, I'm like I said, I, I've got the skills and I've you know I've I've got the desire. It's just a matter of if my body will hold up. So considering I can't slip on a dog toy without breaking ribs, I don't know if it's okay. gonna happen. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, nice kidney shot might do you well.
1: Yeah. Oh man.
0: Um. Yeah. So I think Chad, we were talking about the I think the fitness thing with the quiet punch. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I I saw that the first time because I saw Nita Strauss had it on her Instagram. Yeah,
1: oh yeah, yep, yeah. I sent her yep. one. Yep. Yeah. So what?
0: I mean, can send you guys one. I would love that, dude. I mean, yeah, it'd be <laughs> awesome. It's it's just a fascinating thing because we're so used to the heavy bag or the speed bag, and it's just you know obviously you, you, just, you, to, you don't always need noise when you're training, right? Yeah, but you know what's cool
1: thing. about it? What's really cool about it is it's lightweight and portable. And we don't. Yeah, I think we need to do a better job of getting this message across. But it's I travel with it because yeah. it, it doesn't it adds five five or six pounds to to your luggage. But then you can put it. You can you, you can install it in there forty five seconds or less in any hotel room in the world. And huh. so it's it, we, that's got to be our next big like marketing thing because it, it's it's brilliant for that. So. Um, You know, I figure if
0: you had that and a TRX system in your bag, you're good. You got a good (laughs) portable gym there.
1: Exactly. Yep. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah,
1: I'll send you guys one for sure.
2: Oh, that's great. Oh man, that's cool. Um. Um, So the yeah. No, no, go ahead, Justin. I had this. No, please, please. Uh, It's more of of a selfish question. I'm here in Detroit. Um, you have all these wonderful uh restaurants and all of these awesome locations. Are you going to come here? So we can have one
1: have one of your wonderful so, restaurants here. <laughs> so getting back to, to boxing for a second, I also just made my my debut last year as a ringside commentator, um, and uh, I did a couple of I did a couple of shows that were that were broadcast on um, UFC Fight Pass, and the oh. and the first one I did was in Detroit. Believe
2: it oh, right. okay, yeah, There's I know. Some,
1: the I can't remember the name of the theater. It's this old, very cool, like th- small, like maybe fifteen hundred people. Um, really beautiful old school theater from the like turn of the century that had been re redone. Um, was it downtown? Yeah. What? I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Uh, there's
2: the Fillmore. No. Which is like a thing, but there's the music hall. Uh, Masonic. Uh, I'll. I'll uh, majestic. I'll majestic.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it, was a, but it was a great experience. I'm doing it. I'm doing another couple uh, at the latter half of this year. And that's something else I want to pursue. And um. You know hopefully do a lot more of and then do well at it and hopefully maybe you know at some point be approached by a network or something to do to do like, yeah it's, it's a real thing um
0: well the, the yeah. question must be asked your favorite fighter
1: um my favorite fighter of all time would probably be marvelous marvin Hagler from the 80s who fought yep. Leonard and tommy herons or duran um right now um I mean I'm a big Floyd Mayweather fan I know a lot of people don't like him but he's a brilliant fighter um mm-hmm. and then just this past Saturday a guy named Terrence Crawford um was in a, a big big fight one of the biggest fights in the last five ten years and he would look spe- unbelievable so I think he's my favorite current fighter and then you know any any current heavyweight from the time I was a kid is you know the heavyweights are always exciting because you know, you're probably going to see a knockout. So I like Deontay Wilder a lot. And there's a guy named Tyson Fury, who's a character. He's an English Oh
0: yeah. yeah, Fury's great.
1: Yeah, he's 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 just, just he's a really fun interview. He's just always saying outrageous things. And, and he can fight. He can back it up.
0: Do you remember the first year, even not even first year, first four or five fights that Tyson came out and he was just clad in black shorts, black shoes, yeah. no yeah. nonsense, and came out like an absolute bull?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's more yeah than that, first, that was a five great, five.
0: great, that was a great run.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mike, Mike, in, in that like three year period when he was coming up, I don't know if anybody, anybody would have to be beating him in the, when he was that Mike, but like, yeah, no one. like a lot of people, you know, the, the, the fame and the fortune got to him and and he, he never really, sure. he never really fulfilled his promise, which is crazy when you think about it, because, you know, he still had a great career, but man, he what could have been.
0: It's so funny boxing back in the 70s. I always remember boxing, I like, registered with the, a lot of people in this country when they did the Thrilla in Manila. Remember yeah. that one? Yeah, sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, man, they almost killed each other, those two. Jer- yeah, almost killed each other, but yeah. So, uh, boxing so and metal uh, and food are the three passions and the, the, three, the three things I agree with. Well, it's
0: on. funny because the boxing thing goes great because I, I could basically every band. Every member, there's always every band has one member who's into jujitsu now. Yeah, yeah. So everything is obviously an outlier from boxing, the whole fight scheme, whatever it would be, whether it's that or karate or whatever. So it's interesting um, to see. And Phil, and Samuel obviously is one of the biggest supporters of of boxing.
1: By the way, he told me two weeks ago that um, we were were talking, and and because whenever I see him, we talk about boxing and whatnot. And I saw him at incarceration before they went on and we were chit-chatting and was talking about how I want to fight or whatever. And we started like getting into his stance. And at one point he put his hands on my shoulder. He's like, no, 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 no. Your, your stance is atrocious. He called my stance atrocious. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I know, Sorry. I interrupted you, but I had to tell you that story. Sorry. No, it's great. And I know
0: his uh, his his security guy, Eric, he is like a Muay Thai guy. He's like oh, yeah. champion Muay Thai. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's extraordinary to see you mentioned something earlier when we were talking about food and uh, people gotten older. I think also social media has allowed a lot of musicians to start talking about their personal interests. Mm-hmm. And food and cooking is obviously obviously wine and whatever else is obviously an extension of that. When back in the day, we're just so used to, if you're not talking about your music or metal or the metal lifestyle, we don't want to hear it now we've all gotten older and said you know what man we all got families we all have yards to mow we all have kitchens right so it just kind of makes sense over time it was going to do that
1: yeah yeah no true very true um Mm -hmm. it's it's even when i started working in festivals back in like the early teens i you you know i would do these um i would do these like late night metal barbecues for all the bands before bus call and you Mm -hmm. know at the beginning it was the man festival you know on the first they, everyone was just really psyched for like free food at midnight or whatever. But by like a couple by a couple of days later, when we broke broken the ice and I was doing the third or fourth one of these, people were coming up to me. You know, guys from bands, were, guys and gals from bands were coming up to me and like asking me legitimate cooking questions. You know, like they were yeah. had a legitimate interest in it, and that caught me by surprise. But it doesn't anymore.
0: I mean, you don't even have to look at the bands. You can go into some of these arenas and venues, and like the food stands now are no longer hot dogs and nachos. They're like. Every everything for everyone. Yeah, sushi. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, it really is. Um, so, what's what's you've got these two festivals, the next two coming up. For, I know you got a few more for the rest of the year. What is your role uh, at some of these festivals? Louder than Life, Bourbon and Beyond coming up. I you uh, yeah. Do you have they're, like a,
1: They're never yeah. There's they're not. They're all different, which keeps it nice and fresh and exciting and challenging. Because, you know, we're building, as, as you know, um, when, when you build a festival or, or, you know, I'm sure like metal cruises, all that stuff, it's like kind of building a city, you know, in a couple of days. And then you have to accommodate so many people. Um, so at Bourbon and Beyond, that, that's not that's not the metal festival. You know, It's fun because within a two week period between Bourbon and Beyond and Louder Than Life, I'm going to see everyone from Bruno Mars to Pantera like everyone in between. Um, but bourbon and beyond is, you know, is is more like, um, you know, Blondie, Black Crows, The Killers, Brandy Carlisle, Bruno Mars, whatever. But we have a a dedicated bourbon stage and a dedicated culinary stage. And so we have a bunch Mm -hmm. of chefs that are going to be flying in and doing demos on the culinary stage. And, um, you know, there's going to be a bunch of people doing tastings and, and classes on the bourbon stage. And, and, and so, uh, we'll, most of my day will revolve around a lot of that, um, as well as doing um, Danny Wormer Presents is the obviously the, the festival company. Danny Wormer is the owner. He has, a, he has an area at both festivals called Danny's Backyard, which basically is a, a VIP area. It's for media, it's for artists, it's for VIP guests. And so I'll be doing um, I'll be doing, uh, you know, cooking late night there from like, you know, from basically from 11 in the morning until six. I'll be on the culinary stage hosting that stage, uh, you know, participating in the demos with all the celebrity chefs. And then from I'll flip it from seven until, you know, two in the morning or whatever. I'll be in Danny's backyard barbecuing or doing a late night pizza party or whatever mm-hmm. um, for, like I said, the artists and media. And I'm going to be doing some private dinners for some of the headline acts. Um as well. And then for Louder Than Life, it's a bit different. Louder Than Life, we don't have those stages, the culinary stage, the garden stage. It's a straight up festival. So we'll be doing, we'll be building like a pop-up restaurant um, that, uh, that's the, the working title is Headbangers Hall. Um, right. And I will be doing, you know, I'll probably um, partner with either, um, you know, tequila brands or bourbon brands. And depending on, you know, if if it's tequila, then, you know, me and like Jose from Sirius will probably do like a taco and tequila thing for a few days in the the pop-up restaurant. If if it's a bourbon brand, I'll probably do more like a pop-up burger bar or something like that. Mm. Uh, That's that's all all for like, that's all for the fans and um, to kind of enhance their experience and, you know, just give them an extra fun activity to do. At some point during the day, we'll probably have some some guys from some of the bands come through and do like guest bartending shifts while I'm there doing the, the barbecue or the or the taco party or whatever it is. So so it's yeah. a lot. Of, it's a lot of fun. It's 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 really a value add for the whole point is to to just add value to the for you know media attendees, VIPs, artists, and of course the fans. What
0: it let's say you're not cooking and you're just out traveling. What is the favorite? What is your favorite city for culinary? When you're out traveling, what's been your favorite city to eat in?
1: Um, in the United States, um,
0: internationally, wherever it may be
1: internationally, I think without, um, without much hesitation, I would probably say, um, any, any city in Southeast Asia really, but Thailand or, um, Vietnam, the street food is just, yeah. um, I'm a big street food guy, um. But keeping let's keep it tight. Um, I would say where you just were. I really love Nashville. There's a lot of stuff happening in Nashville. Um, a lot of really good restaurants. Um, the, really the that whole that whole area. That sort of like, um, you know, from Philadelphia on down, um, all the way down the eastern coast. You know, there's a lot of great things happening, like in Richmond, Virginia, in Atlanta, in Nashville, cities that for many, many years were not known at all for their food Are de- you know, are, you know, really, really, really picking up steam. Um, and then I let, lo- you know, I, I love Austin. Austin's got, you know, not just for the barbecue, either. You know, they've got a lot of, a lot of food choices that are, you know, a lot of great chefs working and doing some good stuff. And honestly, Vegas, you know, um, I have several restaurants in Vegas. Our company has several restaurants, but you know, you go off the beaten path a little bit, you go more downtown in Vegas, there's a lot of great little restaurants popping up um, mm-hmm. it's awesome food scene there. Um and also if you just want if you want that like you know big restaurant experience or or that celebrity chef experience there's really no better place to go than Vegas because they're everywhere you know and it's just yeah. um it's it's when you think about you know if you look at if you look at the the restaurants on a on a page that are that are that have locations they're famous restaurants in their own city wherever that may be internationally or or here in the states but then they're all located you know branch of them is all located in this one city I mean that's really great for visitors I think it's really cool so I, so I think Vegas gets kind of underrated when they you know people think of it as a party town which it's obviously great for a gambling town which is obviously great for um but it's also a great food town to
0: to 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 back in that are you uh is there any uh drive-through food you like where you go eat in and out or any of that nature. Water
1: burger. Um, I am a Five Guys guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I All think right. they do a good job. Um, I don't have any. I'm not. A, I'm not a super fancy guy. I mean, I love high end food, and yeah, I, I love that experience. But I love. I love. Um, burgers are probably my favorite thing. Um, and I love going to explore. Like, especially here in L.A., because I'm fairly new here. I love just getting in the car and driving, like to Pasadena or farther or wherever, because there's like some hole in the wall that's been around for a hundred years, you know, and, and there's a place I just went to recently called Bill's where the guy's name is Bill and he's, he's literally been running. So you can't, you can't even go into It's not even a place you can go into. It's just a stand. You walk up to it, you place your order, you wait for it and then you got to take it somewhere else. And the guy that's cooking the burgers is literally like 93 years old. He's been doing it on the same grill since the 1960s. Every year he threatens to sell and, and retire, but every year he kind of comes back out of retirement he opens on the days he feels like cooking. He's not open on the days he doesn't. Like that's a cool story. And the burgers are awesome. Like and you know he's moves at his own pace. And there's a sign that says this isn't Burger King. You cannot have it your own way. And he's, <laughs> he's kind of like this old curmudgeon, but he's but he's making a great burger. Like that's I love that experience finding those kinds of things. That's awesome. Awesome.
2: Hitch. You're in Hitch. I just I, when I was doing my deep dive before we started, you, and there was like the tertiary stuff, and I was like, "Oh shit! Wait, what hit? This is the same percent." Okay. And then I looked at it and I watched the scene. Like, have you have you done any other like?
1: So like, funny! I just, made- got a, I just got a residual check in the mail today. We're getting checked. <laughs> um, um, I put it I, in your mailbox. <laughs> they're like thirty-eight, like thirty-eight cents now, but they still could
2: kind of like, Hold on, hold on one second. Uh,
1: Um. I have broken ribs. I can't blow my nose.
0: Oh guess, no! Guess,
1: guess what else Let I it... have? Allergies.
0: <laughs> oh man, you need it. You need a, a nose chirpa.
1: Yeah. Um, no. So Hitch, yeah, they um, they asked me. I actually got hired to do food styling. So what they actually paid me for uh, originally was um, to make all this food that was going to be shown in the movie, um, and that was a really Crazy fun learning experience that I didn't I, I learned a lot about. Because what they'll do is they'll do a scene where they're eating and you know they they cut for lunch break or crew break or whatever. And when they come back, they that food's got to look exactly the same. But you can't use that same food because it's it's gonna deteriorate as it sits. So you have to like recreate. So you so you're constantly taking Polaroids of what, what's actually being shot so that you can recreate it exactly like the Polaroid for when they start shooting in. But having said all that, none of the food that I made, made it they did, like none of those scenes made it to the final edit. <laughs> um, but while I was there, they had that cooking class scene where Will Smith gets the allergic reaction and they had not they had not cast a, a cooking school teacher. So they asked me if I would do it. And I said, sure. And uh, it's really funny because they gave me a line and but they forgot, I think, that I wasn't an actor. And so as Will Smith and Eva Mendes are walking into the cooking school, I'm supposed to welcome the class. So they, they call action, they walk in, as they said, they, they said, you know, once I can see them, Eva Mendes and Will Smith talking for for me to start, well, I was supposed to pantomime it. I was, I wasn't supposed to actually say the words out loud, but nobody told me that. So very first take, they say action, Will Smith and Eva Mendes come in. I see them start talking to each other. So I welcome the class, welcome to the cooking class. And all of a sudden, cut, cut, cut. What are you doing? What do you, I'm like, what do you mean? What am I doing? They're like, you're not supposed to actually say it. I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that.
0: <laughs> this is the acting game. I'm not actually supposed to act.
1: Yeah, yeah. exactly. So and then was, turn around and experience.
2: yeah, that experience. Like, I, I was that the first, like, because television didn't start in 2005, right? Was that it was so yeah. after that? I was shop, doing. Which,
1: um, I was doing things like uh, Good Morning America and stuff like that. I started. Okay, yeah, yeah. I started on a Food Network in 2009, uh, 2000, late, late 2008, early 2009.
2: And you still you're you're still like heavily involved in the brand, right? The
1: Chop brand. Yeah, it's really crazy. We um we're going back in in September, uh, for another four months of production, um, which is now going to be year fifteen or sixteen. Um, uh-huh. it's it's really it's really unheard of. It's like not something that happens really often. Um, we're kind of like the jeopardy of, of cooking shows. Um, yeah, right people still like it. So we're still making episodes and I can't be more thankful about it. I, I love doing it. Um, but none of us, I don't think, uh, nor food network, I don't think anyone ever thought in 2008 that we would still be here in 2023, really 24, because the stuff we're going to make in, in this fall is not going to air until next year. Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I love it as, as, long as they keep calling me, I'll keep doing it. I, I really enjoy doing it. It's
2: like the Simpsons. It's,
1: yeah. yeah but
0: Chris, Chris, since our business is music based cruises. Have you no. ever cooked or been asked to come and cook on a cruise ship?
1: I've been asked. I've never been able to make it just because of availability reasons. Um, but, uh, you know, I, the funny thing about me is I am i can't really swim and I don't like the ocean. And so cruises in general don't appeal to me. But a metal cruise, like I would I would I would suck it up. I might not jump in the water, but I would suck it up. Um but yeah, I don't I, I just I'm watering me. I mean, I have a pool in my backyard and I have no problem, you know, messing around in the pool. But um, something about currents and water and, and I even I even tried um, last summer, I think it was again, uh, a whole bunch of us went kind of deep into the Atlantic and um, everyone was getting in the water. So I figured I'll do it, too. And I had a life jacket on. But as soon as I jumped into the water, I was like this isn't for me this isn't for me um and then there was somebody else who was having a, who i didn't know was having an even worse time he was he was actually in full i was uncomfortable he was like full-on panic and so for a second i forgot that i couldn't swim and i actually was pretty um like resourceful and got him over to the ladder and kind of helped get him up back onto the boat and then once i saw that he was safe then i started to panic all over again <laughs> so so i don't know osmosis
0: the you took on his phobia
1: <laughs> yeah, um, but I would, I would love to, I would love to do it. I, I, I've always, I've always been curious about how these cruises, how they go out for two weeks and feed so many people, so much food, and um, yeah. I'd love to just, just as a, just because I'm a, a, like also still a chef and kind of a dork when it comes to that kind of stuff, I'd love to just see how that works. Like I can't wrap my head yeah. around how they make that work. Um, but yeah, I have been asked to come in and, and kind of like do a thing, and I just have never had, it's never worked out. But I assume it will happen at some point.
0: Sure, of course, yeah. It's only it's only supposed to. Um Chad, do you have anything? man? I, Chris, we've had you for about 50 minutes, man. It's been awesome, and this is yeah, boxing music, metal, and uh and food. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's that's my life so, right there. He's just he just and just, ribs. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs>
0: and, and, and ribs and ribs, oh. yes. You've done this all under duress. So we appreciate you doing man, it. No, my
1: pleasure, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I know yeah. we going to do this for a while and I kept I kept having to push it off. I really I apologize, and you guys were so cool about it and uh and so, yeah, I'd love to do it again at some point in the future, maybe uh, after all the festivals and whatnot. Yeah,
0: I think I think at some point we definitely need to expand upon it because we just obviously this, you're new to us. So just we're just kind of touching upon aspects of your career and what you do and your interests. So uh, there's definitely some deep dives available
1: for us here. Yeah, for sure. And send me. Oh, we, um, have your people send my people. No, um, send me your addresses and I'll send you some quiet punch. Um, that's
0: amazing. So, dude. Thank you so much for generosity. In that. We <laughs> appreciate it. So hey folks uh you got to check this one out it's going to drop on monday this coming monday so um it'll be on our youtube channel and you can also check it out wherever you stream your podcast from uh chris santos thank you so much my friend we appreciate it man good luck with the label first and foremost because i'm a music person yeah good luck obviously with all the events coming up and uh your towel group and uh the restaurants and by gosh by gum boxing so good luck yeah we're gonna follow. we're gonna definitely slowly watch what's going on with this thing so hopefully you can heal up and get that 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 right. round there in Tijuana
1: Pretty, yeah. I, I hope so <laughs> yeah All right. appreciate it guys All right. very much thanks here thank safe. you
2: thanks have Take a good care. one
1: bye Dude. Um.